0: It's said that everything is bigger in Texas. Well, hockey is no different. Right off the draw, Haskin scores! Come see your Dallas Stars live and experience the Texas-sized hits. Big-time goals and the thrill of victory. Ben Marchman scores! Join the excitement all season long. Visit DallasStars.com slash tickets today. Welcome to the Podman Rush, the official podcast of the Dallas Stars, presented by Truly Hard Seltzer. Here's your host, Daryl
1: Razor Ray. Welcome, 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 one and all, or all one of you, whatever one it is, to the Podman Rush presented by Truly Hard Seltzer. It's Podman Love Month. All the greats were born in February, as you know, it's been stated before. And this week, special Podman for you, a three-man rush as Brian Ray from Stars Live on Valley Sports Southwest pops on to pop off with yours truly and the hard seltzer himself, Mike Heike. Brian, how you doing and thanks for doing this.
2: I'm doing good, guys. I'm fighting a bit of a head cold, so I sound uh, pretty nasally, so that should just add to the quality of what you guys have done so far, but (laughs) I'm glad you invited
1: me on. I appreciate it. It won't mess up this podcast, I can tell you that. (laughs) It's (laughs) only the content. We might make Hike a ray for this next hour too, Brian. What do you think of that?
2: Uh, He is outnumbered. It's about time, eh, Hikes?
1: Oh, yeah. Now, how do I spell this?
3: That's right. Uh, How do I spell... (laughs) uh, R-E-A-K
1: or you can go R-E-A- U-G-K-A something it's almost like my name where you just grab most of the alphabet, a lot of consonants, and throw, slap it together, and away you go. All right. Anyway, let's get started with the state of our stars. The scoring has dried up like a Texas lawn in August. And, Mike, you have written extensively about this for a while now. Do you sense concern becoming a little bit more prevalent around here?
3: Yes. And it's, and it's warranted. I thought it was not enough concern uh, when they were saying, oh, it's just a, a brief uh, scoring slump. And you're going like, well, 19 games, that seems more than a brief scoring slump. But uh, I think they are 28th in the league in scoring since January 1. And they are 30th on the power play since January 1. So they definitely are, uh, they're aware of the fact that they can't score goals. What the hey, huh? Brian, you sit and watch. What's
2: your take? I uh, I think concern is a fair word. I don't think it's time for panic. I think maybe I'm a little more optimistic about this, but when you look at how miserable the offense was the previous two or three seasons, for me, they've earned a little bit of a benefit of the doubt for how good they were for the first 50 games and getting a chance to play out of this adversity or whatever this slump is for however long it takes. But it feels like either one of their secondary lines scores a goal, but they don't get a goal from the power play or the top line, or the top line scores a goal, but they don't get a power play goal or a secondary scoring line goal right now. So it, it feels like they're just a little bit disconnected to where they were getting contributions from a few different avenues. They're not getting that right now in hockey games. And yeah, it it's dried up, but at some point they were going to have to go through some kind of lull and adversity and they have to figure out how to get out of it. I I think in the long run, figuring that out is going to be a good thing for them.
1: Yeah. I agree with a lot of that. The, the fact that it's now almost two full months worth of this though is, and I know February (laughs) know, February is a short month, but you know, a lot of this can get traced back to the end of November, actually. Like, Jamie Benn and, and uh, Jason Robertson had such dazzling months of November. I mean, they, they just went off. They had the best uh, one-two punch of left-wingers in the league, and they were scoring a lot. And, and as you guys know, they had to score a lot at times because they they were trailing. They were such a, a, a fabulous third-period team, be, and some of it was out of necessity. And and then the other part of it was out of empty net goals. They were piling up some of those too because they were leading in games. They were winning all their games by by 3 goals it felt like. Uh you knew it was going to tighten up a little bit, but you didn't you didn't sense that it was going to dry up to this extent. And I've always felt this about offense. If your power play has gone dry, it affects your offense, your overall offense in a big way because your best guys Play on your power play, and I don't care how long they've been in the league or what's going on. They, it, it, it's mental cholesterol that builds up. They, they, know, you know, they had an opportunity to win there. We had an opportunity to score and end the lead. We had, the, you know, I'm I'm paid to score goals. We're paid to score goals, and they haven't been doing it. And, and I, I really feel that it it affects them. But but to your point, Brian, they're they're going to climb out of this. To what degree or how? Uh, we'll, we'll see how that goes, whether it's internal or external, uh, but, and and you knew they weren't going to score at the rate that they were at the beginning of the year, Uh, that that was going to drop off a little bit, but it has dropped off, uh, the edge of a table here lately. Anything more Heike? Uh,
3: the silver lining is that Jake is there and, uh, and and the team defense. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. I mean, so they're in every game. And, you know, typically when you have a slump of this nature, this big, uh, you're not getting points. And uh, I know it's frustrating for the fans, uh, but uh, Pete DeBoer is, you know, he very much values the overtime point for a loss yeah. uh, because it does, it keeps him in first place in the central division.
1: All right. Overtime. Uh, bold take time. <laughs> this thing isn't oh getting any better. It, if you could do style points, maybe it is a little bit better. Uh, Lately than it had been. Uh, This is my take on it. Brian, listen intently to this one and see whether you enjoy this. (laughs) It doesn't matter, but it does matter. But it's in actuality really good. Their record in overtime. Can you follow me? Hmm. Do you hear me? No. Okay, well, look. There is no three-on-three in the playoffs, nor shootouts, right? There's your... It doesn't matter. Mentally, they are losses, and and that can cause the gray matter to spin. That's where it does matter. But it's in actuality really good because they get points for losing. You just mentioned it, Mike. Yeah. Points for losing. Like, we did that number last game. Like, it's stunning. So they lose in regulation against Columbus, which they shouldn't have, but they did. So they now have 15 losses this season where they have no points whatsoever. They have 12 losses in which they earn 12 points. Almost half their losses they've they've at least earned a point in. Like that is mind boggling for I, I'm sure a lot of people they're like, What? And you're like, Yeah, that's the case. So you guys go ahead, Brian. What is your take on this overtime situation?
2: The uh, beautiful thing about it and the frustrating thing about it, it depends what side of the bed you woke up on because either they've earned 12 points they shouldn't have had or they've lost 12 points (laughs) that could have opened up space at the top of the division. So when you are in a wild card spot, it's for death. It feels like those overtime points. But when you've built up the runway had, you have a little bit of a margin for error. But the strange thing for me is you've got winnipeg nipping right at your heels and you've got colorado getting healthy who has now climbed into the third spot so if you don't find a way to hold on to that top spot your reward for finishing second in the in the division yeah. is probably going to be the defending stanley cup champion yeah. so you know razor i like the way you phrased it it, it is a little it, it well, to quote Heike, it is interesting, but yeah, <laughs> one, day, one, day it's, one day it's good, one day it's bad. It doesn't matter because three-on-three doesn't dictate the playoffs, but you look at the different scenarios that could happen to you because of points you left on the table or points you ended up earning that maybe you shouldn't have earned, and it's almost whichever way it falls, you don't know if it's good or bad yet. You have to see how it finishes before you determine if it made or break your, uh, your season.
1: Yeah. I mean, look at last year. They, they were phenomenal in it. Probably the reason they got in the playoffs. Did it help yeah. at all in the playoffs? No, because there is no three-on-three or shootouts. They'd have loved to have gone to three-on-three in Game 7 in Calgary. <laughs> yes, <laughs> they would have. That probably would have been a better avenue. Uh, speaking of game numbers, games 40 to 60 reveal what kind of team you really are. That, that's an old, crotchety, grizzled hockey man maxim in the NHL. Not sure how it's actually bared out in the oddity of recent seasons. I mean, we've had some funky campaigns with COVID and what have you. So the Stars will hit the game 60 mark uh, when they host Vancouver. I think it's right at the end of the month. They host Vancouver. And that's what, a week from today is the end of the month. Yep. Uh, so if you're going to look at this, this little. 40 to 60 thing right now there's seven five and six since game 40 (laughs) they're a telephone prefix seven five six (laughs) they are seven five and six so then back to what you guys were just talking about they could be 13 and five they could also be five and 13 by that math right (laughs) so uh look Games 50 to 65, we're doing a lot of numbers and breaking down this schedule here right now. Ooh, I'm digging uh, Games 50 to 65, those 15 games in there, kind of dog day-ish, are they not? It's kind of when it's like, all right, the all-star breaks over and we're back. Some teams, I think reality's starting to set in a little on them. We're not going to be a playoff team. Other ones are wondering what's going to happen at the deadline. Some others are just like, oh, my God, we're plod forward. Let's get back or down to the final 20. And then I think individuals start waking up again and down to the 15 and you're getting ready for whatever you're getting ready for. So go ahead. I mean, I, I've said my I've said my piece on, on 40 to 60. I don't think it's revealed much at all other than seven, five, six. Uh, it's not five, five, five. It's seven, five, six. Two eight, two five, <laughs> something like that. I don't know. What do you think?
2: Hikes, what do you got?
3: Um, I've been very interested in the uh, competition level. So you're playing some of the best teams in hockey, and you're taking them to overtime. And that's got to be a great thing. But then once you get to overtime, does it matter that a couple of those it's games you game. lost?
2: It's not the it's game. It's not, I
3: agree. But again, there is go. there a competition level at three on three, where you're like, okay, we did not execute. We did not dig in. They did. Mm. Uh, One of the things, and I don't know why this gets under my skin. People have mentioned uh, when Boston wins or Tampa wins or, you know, whoever wins, uh, that's what good teams do. And you're like, okay, so then what are you? Yeah, but Anaheim (laughs) wins. Come on, please. True, they did. And and, uh, Columbus won. So um, I don't know. It's... They've done a great job of competing with really good teams. Uh, that Boston game, uh, and Boston went on to just trounce a couple teams after the Stars, uh, but they shouldn't have been in it, and they found a way to be in it, uh, and that to me is a great sign. And I guess I'm instead of looking at all twenty games, I'm trying to pick different you know situations where they yeah. were. Yeah, you're cherry so picking, Mike. Is that, I am that's cherry what you're picking. Doing. You know, Joke. I try to try to uh, mold these to fit my whim. Oh, okay. uh, Curated. I like it. Go ahead. Continue. Uh, (laughs) So I I like the fact that they really are close, uh, but now they need to find a way to get over the top. And that's the playoffs to me. Like, you know, most of the series swing on one player, one game or one overtime. And so I, I worry they're not, you know, in a place where they're going to be the team that wins that one player, one game or one overtime.
2: Hmm. I might be hmm. too much of an optimist right now, just because of how refreshing some of the games have been to watch this season compared to previous years. But I compartmentalize things a little bit. You know, Razor, you're talking about games 40 to 60. Wyatt Johnston doesn't look like he's hit the rookie wall, which normally happens in that window. And I'm going to put Ty DeLandria in that category as well, because even though he's not a rookie, it's sort of been a staggered entrance into his NHL tenure. But he he hasn't really broken from his role or or hit a wall in what he does really well in this game, 40 to 60. So I look at that underlying depth of forwards, and they continue to make their contributions. We're talking about the offense drying up at the start of things here. The top line is the top line. There's enough of a sample size that even if they cooled off from games 40 to 60, I still have plenty of faith in what they can do when it's crunch time. The thing that remains to be seen for me is Mason Marchment. We've documented the lack of offense and how it's dried up for him. Tyler Sagan, I think, is the same. Jamie, Ben's been fairly consistent playing with Wyatt Johnston. There's a few question marks that I still think could tilt either way, even though we're in this game 40 to 60 bracket, that could determine winning a playoff series against a, a top-level team or losing in overtime to a top-level team like Boston. And, you know, like, like Hike said, they're, they are right there. But you kind of have that elite and the stars maybe are right there at six or seven just on the outside of the bubble looking in because they haven't figured out how to take that next step and land that last punch against an elite team. They get they get to the 15th round, but they don't get it to the finish line.
1: All right. Well, uh, a perfect lead into the next uh, section of this thing. And that would be the trade deadline is nigh. (laughs) <laughs> On a Finnish Razor Boy scale of PNA to ESO, how big a splash do you think General Manager Jim Nell is going to make when it is all said and done? Uh, because I I would agree with a lot of what you said, Brian. Uh, obviously, they, they've they proven now, almost 60 games in, where they're at. It's It's not like they're bouncing around or skipping along at the bubble where they've been a lot in recent years. Uh, they're up top, uh, but what does it take? Is there something internal, or do they need something external in order to move themselves firmly up into that top five and, and the ultimate goal of coming out of the Western Conference and and playing for the Stanley Cup and, and winning another one? So, uh, Heike? yo, What do you think? Uh, I think it's... Th- A lot it's, of talk uh... about some guy in Chicago right now. If you follow the soch, there uh, seems the so- to be a lot of smoke around that. The issue. The so- uh, they've been linked.
3: I have not looked at Link the numbers to. of the salary I'm hearing. Cap. <laughs> <laughs> I'm hearing. I bought a, lot, People I bought a lottery saying. ticket
2: yet. I bought a lottery ticket yesterday. So am I linked to a million dollars? Is that how that works?
3: Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Pretty much. See, look it.
1: Yeah. Um, I'm hearing I, that the, there are possibilities in you becoming a millionaire in a couple of days.
3: Well, People the million saying, comes into play here in that I don't think the stars have the money to go get whoever, Patrick Kane or, you know, any of the big fish. You say that, but man, you can move this stuff around. Well, one, you got to draw on another team. Yeah. Uh, find partners. That, find partners. But two, to do that, you got to give up draft picks or yeah. prospects. Yeah. And I don't think, That's I mean, currency, Jim Nose history man. is, yeah. Jim knows history is he does not want to do that. So in my opinion, the, the, People to look at are guys that make $3 million because that's what Dennis Garionov makes. So if you can trade away Dennis Garionov's $2.9 million, what other player could you get for around $3 million that could help you be a better team? Uh, and I think there are some candidates out there. Uh, the biggest question I have is I keep hearing that they're looking at defensemen, which, I'm, you know, that's something Jim Neal likes to do a lot of, uh, but I'm not exactly sure that's the area where they need the most help.
2: Brian? I will fully admit that I am a rabbit hole nerd when it comes to these discussions. Um, so yeah, no, it, I I agree with hikes. I do think the economics of things limit what the stars can do. I I don't think they have the draft capital and I don't think Jim Neal is willing to part with the prospect capital. The teams are going to want to pick up, say a a Patrick Kane or, or a top six winger. I, I think they're looking more of a middle six or a top nine, or a, a depth defenseman, a third pair defenseman. And so there's a little bit of risk that comes with that. So, name that jump out to me, you know, Gustav, is Nyquist it Patrick in Kane? Columbus. Is Patrick Kane on <laughs> your not, lips? I, I do not have the stars linked to Patrick Kane they can like a social leave media. him here right. on
1: Wednesday. It'll be perfect. That's right. right.
2: Yes. Yeah. Just just have him walk across the hall to yes. the other locker room and see. seen perfect, that before. Right? <laughs> but, but, you know, players like Gustav Nyquist in Columbus or, or Duclair in Florida, they're damaged goods right now because of the injury situation, but that lowers a cost, you know, and, and they could fit that mold a little bit. Um, somebody like Nick Benino in San Jose or Adam Henrique in Anaheim, although he's not on an expiring contract, those are what I would consider top nine or middle six forwards that the economics make a little more sense for what the stars could do. Um, Ivan Barbashev, I think might be a bidding war because he seems to be a sexy name on social media. And then for, you know, uh, a bottom pair defenseman, Jim Neal loves his defensive depth. We we've seen that in seasons past. So, you know, past behavior can be a good indicator of future behavior. It's just, can they do one move? Can they do two moves? Which one of the two moves carries more priority? That, that's going to be uh, the wrinkle to see. But the, the economics, I do think, tie things up a bit for just how ambitious stars could be come at the uh, trade deadline.
1: This has been like being on Twitter. This has been awesome, Brian. I don't <laughs> even have to check my – I don't have to scroll anymore. I've got them all in there. It, Adam Henrique is an interesting name. I, I've always liked him as a player – He's a good player. Scores, I know. maybe he hasn't this year. I don't know, whatever's gone on out there. It's got to be a tough, you know, there in Chicago. like It's tough on veteran players when you're just losing and losing and losing. But if you look at his past, he's scored a lot of goals at the right time and the right kind of goals and game-winning goals and those types of things. I, I like those shiny toys. I The one thing I, I always wonder about general managers – you know they have a past uh reference point of in habits and how they approach these things and that, but every now and then the, you you come into these seasons where you get to this point and you're like, man, we look pretty good, and yeah. we might need to spend some of that, whether it's draft pick or prospect capital and if they if you can if you can financially because of the cap maybe it's your time maybe it's your time to do something like that or stay patient maybe it's a year from now is the time to do something like that but a good example would be what 2015-16 because they were such a great team won the division best team in the west and i think they only added chris russell i think they added they added a defenseman to that but but when you looked at the team, you were like, "Well, what more do you really need? You just need a little security there." And unfortunately, he got hurt and played hurt uh, in the playoffs, and they couldn't—they lose in seven. That—that's the the great thing. They get in the playoffs. They get into a game seven. They've got Pete DeBoer, who's charmed in game seven, <laughs> so that, that that helps. Whatever's in front of him, at least he's charmed. Uh, with that, so look, I, I think fans and us and everybody involved, probably everybody except for our hockey department, like to spitball names around and and play fantasy hockey and that because that's what drives the juice. That's that's yeah. why people follow this sport emotionally, uh, and uh, they they deal in reality though. We we deal in fantasy, and it is fun to. To speculate on what you could do But man, so much of it is bean counting now Like I'm sure they sit there And they're just like We would love to do that That makes the most sense to us We just can't make it work With the the numbers, the commas The zeros, the dollar signs So uh, I guess we'll just stay patient Like everyone else And I, I just feel like I, I feel like something Something is, is gonna get done cuz you can you can just look at this group at least i can and i'm like man they they're they're so good and you just move a couple pieces around here and there and and how could how good would they look with just that how many times have we seen that where you pull a real significant glue guy out of your lineup and then all of a sudden guys are playing all over the map and this guy's playing out of his role and out of his position and all that, And then you get a guy, and you slot him in, and all of a sudden everything just falls right perfectly into the order that they should be in. And then you have to put your fingers together and and hope and pray that everyone stays healthy. I, I believe we had a question from uh, Brian. I saw his hand up on the Zoom portion of this. Yes, Brian.
2: In, in the audience, yes. Well, no, just to, to sort of piggyback off what you were saying too, Razor, I, I think Jim Nill in particular – he loves resumes, so it, it's one thing to find a player that could fit in certain spots, but also what is the resume of that player? Do they have playoff experience and know some of those intangibles? And then the the bean counting, you know, I, we know about Stan Coven and Bork and, and and Harley, and how untouchable are those players? Because after this season, Rope hints has an extension that kicks in, that's going to eat into whatever salary cap space could develop. So I, I feel like there's that wrinkle next season that has possibly a lingering effect on what they could and can't do at the deadline. And, and then lastly, the market changes 48 hours before the actual deadline. Everybody wants everything right now for their guy, but when it's two days away and you have the, the risk of losing stuff, oh, yeah. then maybe we're going to get something.
1: Or we're going to
3: lose them for nothing.
2: Yes. So yes, Of course, everybody wants a first and a a prospect for their guy. Well, what do you want when it's crunch time?
3: Uh, From the star standpoint, I just think trade deadline can help your team. I mean, not just on the ice, but the the injection of whatever the front office saying we believe in you guys. We are going to give you this person, and we think that he might help you get to the Stanley Cup final. Yeah, or, that's a good point. You know, win the whole thing, and and uh, during these dog days, as we talk about that, you know, it sure feels like they need something. They need a boost of some kind.
1: Yeah, you just you you wonder what is rumbling through the minds. I can remember them from years past, and depending on which side you were on i've i've been in rooms where we weren't very good and you knew guys were leaving and and then there's the there's the um anticipation especially amongst veteran guys on teams that know that they're pretty good and and they're like man if we could do that if we could do that i wonder how much conversation goes on anymore between leadership players and and management there's a lot between coaches and and players. I I wonder whether it's. I would think they. I'm not not. I'm not going to say that they, that they uh, pull the room or anything before they're going to do anything. But <laughs> it, I think it's nice to. Yeah, if a guy's got a little background on a guy and and that, of course, they they do that. I uh, I I'm not as I'm not as into the deadline thing as as probably you are, Brian
3: and Mike has to be. I think you enjoy it too, don't you, Mike? I do. Um... I I find it frustrating because of the the payroll. Yeah. Um, you know, back in the day It was great back in the day, was it not? Do you remember what Detroit did in ninety (laughs) nine? Detroit, oh my god. Do you remember what the Rangers did? Well, but I'm saying in ninety nine, when the stars had the best record in hockey, Detroit adds Wendell Clark, Chris Chelios, and Bill Ranford. The stars have no chance. And you know that, that those were the days where it really you thought, okay, well, we're going to change our team right here. And the stars added—I don't even remember who they added—a uh, uh, depth defenseman. Uh, who was that? The guy from the Rangers, and and then Doug a Lidster. depth forward. Yeah, Doug Lidster and a depth forward. And that was, and and you thought the stars are going to get killed. And it weren't—you know—worked out that they had I plenty in, in I the didn't think ca- that, you camp thought already. That. Don't put words I did, in my mouth. I did I think that. I talked to my friend, Craig Ludwig, and uh, he said at the time, because nobody would comment at time. I'm working for the newspaper trying to stir up some, uh, some trouble. And uh, everyone's, no, no, I'm not commenting on that. I'm not commenting on that. And Ludwig goes... It's Chris Chelios. <laughs> Do people not understand how good Chris Chelios is? <laughs> and it was funny at the time because, you know, I'm like, yeah, he's pretty good. I think he had a couple of Norris trophies in there. Yeah. So, you know, we've seen teams who are using third third teams to take cap money and, and they're finding ways to get things done. So things yeah. can get done. You just got to be creative. Everyone's a
1: little more tight-lipped than they were back then. There were better yes. rumors. It was leakier. Oh. It was like a... <laughs> It was like a boat made out of a door screen. It was awesome. Everything leaked. So much fun. Yes. Uh, there's not as much uh, leaking on, on the actual big-time broadcast anymore. Th- this is a complete non-sequitur, uh, as we've drilled down probably enough on our, on our Dallas Stars. You boys ever notice with the national coverage that it's former Cowboys that talk about the NFL? And it's former Yankees and Red Sox that talk about Major League Baseball. And it has been a lot of former Lakers talking about the NBA. I think it, it, it was. Magic's not doing it anymore. But, like, if, if you look at the NFL, it's like Aikman, Romo, Moose Johnston, Michael Irvin. Like, it's just Cowboys, 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 Cowboys. And, and they just added Jeter to MLB, another Yankee. Uh, so what is the NHL's go-to for, for formers? You ever think of this? Uh, it should be the in, Leafs, right? For, should it not be the Leafs in that, <laughs> in that world? If you're going to talk about Cowboys, Yankees, Red Sox, Lakers, if you're talking about the NHL, it has to be Leafs, Rangers, maybe Red Wings, Hawks.
3: Am I missing anything? Or am I, I, I think I'm Red right Wings path. and Hawks because they're U.S. teams. I think it, for whatever reason, it's hard to get Canadian guys into the U.S. market, and and then the other problem is that the Leafs don't win anything. Well, they haven't uh, so, won, I know, but they no. they
1: act like they have, but they well, haven't won in again, forever. Yeah.
3: But but yeah, I could definitely see you know some of the Red Wings personalities or. Or, you know, heck, even going back to uh, your teams with the Oilers. Uh, those cu- a couple of those guys have hung around and, and made a path for themselves in broadcasting.
1: Well, yeah, in the last, like, year and a half or whatever, or two years, yeah. barely. But, yeah, I, that's a good example, though. That's a good example. That, that's up there. That's a dynasty. That's the, that's the last true, you know, big dynasty in, in this league. And you have Gretzky on. You have Messier on. Craig Simpson's the lead guy in Canada. There's 3. So, I'm down here. You know, yes, I was instrumental in everything that went on in Edmonton in the 80s. Brian, what do you think?
2: The uh no, the the, the Oilers dynasty connection's pretty good, yeah, with Messier and 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 Yeah, but that Gretzky, just happened. More... Like I
1: mean they they're they're in yeah. their 60s or just about 60.
2: Well, it's Razor when when you shot us the text about national broadcasts. I was curious where you were going to go with this because it, it's almost like with the other the other big three, you know, big markets generate big personalities, generate ratings, and I, when they move past their careers, you want to hold on to that a little bit, you know, and and try to keep that connection to the fans to, to possibly increase your ratings any way you can outside of and the actual. Are product. you talking
1: like on both sides because there are a lot of people that. Hate on cowboys because they see them so much, and hate on no, you hate what, on right? Yankees because they see them so much, and and then they move into the broadcast booth. And do they? Does that still help
2: you when you what? have
1: some I, that love them and some that hate them?
2: No, I, I didn't even think of it that way. But when you mentioned all the Yankees and Red Sox, I mean, the whole reason in ESPN shows. 25 Yankees Red Sox games here yeah. is because the ratings go up sure. for them regardless of the situation. So you might as well keep the Yankees Red Sox connection to try and feed into those ratings. I I look at it the opposite way with hockey. The biggest complaint is there's always there's no personalities in hockey. So wh- where are you going to pull your big media personality from for your national broadcasts? It's it's Bissonnette maybe on TNT right now because of what he's done with his podcast that he, he's brought a little bit of a personality or a humor to it as compared to maybe previous national broadcast panels or desks that we've seen in the last, you know, five to 10 years.
1: Yeah. I mean, he's, and and he's, he's done phenomenal, but that, that, that's like the kicker and in media right now is taking over everything. You know, it's the sort of the same. He was great kicker. Uh, I don't know. It just, it struck me. I think it it's was weird. It was probably when Jeter came walking out there at the Super Bowl. I was like, man, another Yankee is moving into that there. And there, I mean, there were great Red Wings teams. Is anybody from those Red Wings teams in broadcasting? Chelyo's. I don't think, huh? Chelio still does some stuff, doesn't he? Yeah. I, I mean, he, but that's, again, that's two or three years old with, with ESPN. Right. And, uh, I don't know. The Hawks have been great. None of them have moved in. Eddie, I guess a little bit, Patrick but he Sharp. played other places. Yeah, but he's not on TV anymore. I don't know. It's just one of those things where if you're a former Cowboys quarterback, I can't wait for Dak on <laughs> uh, Sunday afternoon Fox presentations. Uh, what six, seven years from now, or whatever, it'll be
2: crazy. Sponsorship to train him. <laughs> uh, Campbell's of- chunky or whatever. Sp-
1: True. Yes. They get all the deals too. Speaking of other sports, did you guys, baseball is doing what hockey did. What is it? 17, 20 years ago. No, it's less than 20 years ago. Oh five. They're going radical to try to speed things up. And this struck me because they, they want fans. They say want more balls in play, more action on the bases and better place, pace of play. And there were some issues with that back in, like, the early aughts, and then obviously in 05-06 they, they really threw the tumult at them and, and changed the game around a little bit. Uh, so th- they're going to they're gonna time pitching, you know, 15 seconds with the bases empty, 20 with runners on, the shift, which I don't understand, but that's going on. Uh, they went with bigger bases, which is interesting. Uh, the, we're, we went with smaller goalie equipment. They went with bigger bases. To me, hockey didn't need it as much as the powers changed it back in those days. Uh, and, and I'll explain why in a little bit. But I'm just curious what you guys think about another sport. Like w- Cynically, I've said this a few times. Why are we in such a hurry? to get our sport off television for the day. <laughs> you know, like, how long are NFL games? They feel like they're nine hours long. There's nothing in football where they're like, you know what? We should get them to snap the ball a little quicker so we can get off the air in two hours and 15 minutes instead of three hours and 45 minutes. That's never an issue with the NFL. But everybody else, yeah. how quickly can we get our product off the airwaves? Uh, so, I think they-
3: I, yeah, saying, I think go they ahead. want it in bite size. I'll jump in. Sorry yeah, about that. Yeah, please
1: do it. That's what we do here on the Podman Rush, Mike. We interrupt each other.
3: Uh, it's just our society's been trained to want things quick. Uh, yeah, but the, whether that... No, no, no. Did you not just hear me? Football games are four hours long. There's nothing
1: quick about a football game.
3: Football is the outlier. Oh. What about TikTok? What about YouTube? What about uh, you and I talk about why even watch the four-hour broadcast because you got a five-minute highlight reel on the website afterwards? Uh, it, th- people yeah, it's me just out a weird too much out thing. of those things too. I know. said joke. Uh, it could
1: just be my <laughs> own re- reel.:
3: I, I know what I you're agree.
1: saying. I, I, I know yeah. what you're saying. Brian, you agree. Nobody has the patience me. mentally it, or visually for this it, stuff it, anymore. It,
2: it, it's, it's a short attention span society now, and the almighty dollar rules all, and sports are trying to figure out the next generation that consumes its media in 20-second to 45-second bites. How do we get those eyeballs to get revenue from that 20- to 45-second span within our product? And it's, it, it's still a messy equation right now because I don't think anybody has the answer. Um, but that seems to be the battle of how do you take something that is known to be three hours long and find a way to consume it in 20 to 45 second bites while also still keeping your advertisers paying top dollar in order to generate revenue. And, yeah, and, and Hikes is right. Fuck the outlier, because for whatever reason in the U.S., it translates to TV better than any other sporting event. and and it's the most consumed because of how it translates to TV better than any sporting event.
3: Yeah. And once, once a week helps too, I think, uh, as opposed to it's not once a week, it's on almost every day of the week. One, one one football game for your team a week. Oh, please. Yeah.
1: Here, look, I'm going to give you my diatribe on this whole thing. The the league back then put the cart ahead of the horse. And here's why. If you go back, to 05-06, they made all those changes, right? I think a lot of people forget how many changes they made and what they were, because it has been a while, and and a lot of them were really good. They they really were, and and they they've, they've uh, proved that over over time here now. But what they what they did first before they made all these changes that you know goal lines got moved out, blue lines got moved to seventy five feet from the boards neutral zone got shrunk uh there was no offside tag up was reinstated uh no two-line passes all this stuff was put in there goaltenders they had that god-awful trapezoid thing that they still have in there made no difference whatsoever they got it backwards but that's a story for another pod uh i the the goaltending equipment they uh shootouts. They were were fun back in the day. But what they did a few years before that is they implemented hurry-up face-offs. And by introducing these hurry-up face-offs on line changes, it absolutely purloined, robbed, stole time for analysis and storytelling and replays on television. It, It just murdered it. And... I honestly believe that if they'd have made the changes first, they wouldn't have to hurry up the face-offs as much. They, because the game would be roaring up and down the ice like it does now. We, we need that time. We need a little extra time after goals, as you know, Brian. And we need, we need a little more time on our broadcast for that other stuff. And a lot of times, we, we sit, they play for, because of those rule changes, they play for four minutes at a stretch, five minutes at a stretch. And then we stop, and then you're like, oh, my God, we have nine things we'd like to show, plus we have a sponsored element, plus we'd like to talk about this individual and that, and, and you have to pick and choose. And people don't get to see all the things that they should be able to see again uh, because, of, because of that, and they're, they're in such a hurry. Like, icings now, we can barely get something in on an icing. Because they just go down to the other end and drop the puck and away they go. So if the game bogs down and it gets atrocious, we can't, I'm not going to say we can't save the game. They've made it very difficult for us to save the game with other stuff because there's no room to put the other stuff in there. And so you're probably sitting there right now, Brian, and you're like, well, yeah, all that good stuff comes after the game with me and (laughs) Sevi. We get to do all that stuff. Or in between periods. The game's going on. It's racing up and down. Hold it. Let's just slow it down here. Let's, let's stop. Let's circle, guys. Let's do all kinds of analysis. Let's tell a few stories. Let's do it all. And you're absolutely right with that. Within the framework of the 60 minutes of, of actual game time to do uh, what we once did. I mean, we used to have 50 seconds on every whistle. You can get a lot done in 50 seconds. You can't in 18
3: Done. Uh, what did Tony, Tony Soprano say? Uh, that sounds like a YP to me. A what? A YP is your problem, not my problem.
0: <laughs> that's, sounds that's like exactly. a YP, not hey, an I'll MP. Tell you, <laughs> I'll tell you this.
3: So John Davidson
1: was a phenomenal broadcaster. Uh, yeah. You know, he worked for MSG with the Rangers and all the national stuff back in the day. He's the president of the Columbus Blue Jackets. Now, I remember talking to JD when this stuff came in. And I was just like, how in hell are we going to be able to do this and that? And he was very matter of fact. And he's like, just going to have to edit yourself and reinvent how you do it. Okay, big boy, we'll see you. <laughs> that was <laughs> thanks, it. <laughs> thanks again. <laughs> okay, um- <laughs> perfect. I was waiting there. I was like, oh, my God, he's going to give me a nice little uh, lecture on, on uh, you might want to try this or this. Oh, you're going to have to just reinvent yourself. And, okay, big boy. See you later. <laughs> Off we went. <laughs> anyway, that is
2: that. I don't know. Brian, am I right? Am I right or not? You, you actually those those were actually really fair points, and I I never thought of it that way because when I mentioned earlier talking about national broadcasts, one of hockey's complaints is there's not enough personality or or showcasing the individual. Well, that's an opportunity to showcase the personality or the individual when you have extra time to put a video package like that together. So is there a is there a give and take or a compromise? Are, are media timeouts now? you know, 75 seconds instead of 60, or are they 90 instead of 75 to just buy your broadcast an extra 15 seconds for any, you can use it any way you want. You, you, you Is there something, I, I'm not saying that's the specific solution, yeah. but is there something that opens up just a small window to, to add in one or two extra elements per period?
1: Yeah, I, I, We've, we've argued and lobbied for just a little extra time after the most important thing that happens in your games. That's goals. We just want a little more time yeah. to celebrate what happened and show what happened explain how and why it happened and show the guy and celebrate him. Nope. They want to drop the puck at center ice and get going again.
3: Get, raise your that, it. go ahead.
1: It's great. Uh, uh, I'll let you guys both go again. It is fantastic for the in-arena experience. Because it just moves and moves and moves. Like, it's just hold your breath, plenty of action, almost nonstop action. But for us in the broadcast world, they've made it They've made it hard. They've made it really, really hard. And we're still so good we've
3: overcome that. Yeah, go ahead. I was going to argue that the in arena actually would celebrate a goal. I mean, let's show the replay five times. I mean, I think the place would go crazy. Oh, my God, Jeff K., it. God love him. But we listened to Jeff <laughs> K. announce the goal for about a minute and a
1: half after the goal was scored and during action. Right. Crazy.
2: Yep. Yeah. Razor, you mentioned JD and and his his adjustment to it. Bob Miller, the old radio play-by-play guy and TV play-by-play guy for the Kings. He used to always say after goals, why is everybody in a rush to get the puck back to center ice? You should call the goal, lay out, and let the listener hear the arena. Hear the horn, hear the organ, hear the cheer. You know, there's all small little elements that you, that lets the the listener or the viewer experience take in because they're not there in the arena to see it live, and little things like that do enhance the broadcast experience for those that are taking it in.
1: Do you hear that, Mike? He wants to get rid of the color analyst as well. It's another uh, one. I think, yeah, that's I, exactly. I, I think what think I a, yep. Just just like have the play-by-play guy call the goal, and then and then just muzzle yep. and and yep. put up a fist like. Uh, Bob Cole used to do. He used to put up the Heisman at his uh, color analyst, and until he let that hand go down, nobody was saying a word. Uh, and uh, yeah, I, I get that. I would like to lay out. I think laying out is good. I think <laughs> the
2: my last time on the Pod racer, I think thanks. the <laughs> in arena ambiance
1: is terrific. <laughs> but let's not just leave the color analyst out, Brian. My God. <laughs> anyway i know you, i know what you're saying you're right <laughs> we don't fix anything on here we just complain that's all we yes do.
2: that's a, <laughs> all we do that's called sports media yes that's right
1: yes it is. I'd like to mention paul gerard never got a chance to the other night there was a look there were a ton of of uh remembrances and outpourings of respect around the hockey world and at so many different levels it was really heartwarming and so such sad news of his passing. Uh, he was an assistant coach with the Stars. Here, he I just he carried himself almost like a statesman all the time. He was one of those those guys. And he, here here's a simple thing I thought that that showed what kind of person Paul was. I would be on the road and there I'd be on a bike, you know, a stationary bike, and I'd be giving her and uh he would he would come in and start working out in that. I didn't even think he even saw me. We didn't have any interaction never our eyes never never crossed or anything and he'd start going through his stuff and that across the room and and that and and before I got off my bike, he would just go over to get himself some water and he would always pour a second glass of water and he'd walk over and he'd put a glass of water into my little uh, vestibule on my bike and then just sort of nod and move back to his own stuff. Every time. It, just a little thing. And it, it, uh, to me, it just spoke volumes about the type of guy uh, that Paul was. So anyway, uh, condolences. Beautiful family. Uh, his wife, Cheryl, two beautiful daughters, Catherine and Megan, and and just awful. He's the same age as me. He was about to turn uh, 58 and and just a super, super human being. So wanted to slide that in. I don't know if you guys had many uh, interactions with them, but a lot of people did at a lot of different levels
3: of hockey and everybody chimed in and I'm so glad they did. Yeah. I go back to the fact that how did players react to you? How did support staff react to you? And, everybody loved him. Yeah. It's um, a classic. Yeah. And the fact, like, you know, it's, it's not, I mean, the, it is the locker room or dressing room is a family. So guys like Sudzy, you know, everybody loves them, but it's interesting when guys like that talk glowingly about a person, mm. uh, because you, you do realize that, you know, they weren't treating anybody differently. They, you know, whoever was there, they treated them, you know, with class and dignity, yeah. and, and that was Paul. I mean, he to a to a T. Mm-hmm. I know his players loved him, and, and that's a great sign. Yeah,
2: indeed. I never I never knew Paul personally. I only knew him as an opposing assistant coach in the American League, and some of the players we had with the Texas Stars knew Paul when he was an assistant coach with the American League Stars, and so just seeing their interaction with them and and hearing some of their stories, it's. Hockey Hockey's a small world and and you know there's still maybe a great deal of boundary from the American League life to the NHL life, but, but even sometimes a little bit of the, the foxhole mentality or the trench mentality when you're when you're slugging it through the minors and, and some of the experiences that those guys had. Yet you can see, as you said, Mike, there's a certain respect level that occurs between people in different roles. And, and I just sort of witnessed it from a distance with some of the uh, American league players. And Paul as an opposing assistant coach.
1: Yeah. He cared about people, cared about his players and it, it showed and, and uh, it was appreciated and remembered and, and he'll be remembered forever fondly. Just so sad that we lost him at such a, a young age with so much more to give. So anyway, uh, Brian, thanks for joining and regurgitating your knowledge here on the Podman Rush presented by Truly Hard Seltzer. How was it? Oh, nice, nice. Scrambly? Thanks, boys. Huh? 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 Has it been has it been <laughs> everything you dreamed of?
2: Always. Yeah. yeah. So. You know, a little President's Day hangout? Sure.
1: Fun. Yeah. What more did you want to do on President's Day than come into this little venue with Mike and myself? <laughs> Mike, you need to get us some scoops. Okay, that's your job. <laughs> we, my job is to present the game and apparently shut up after goals, and Brian's job is to host and and carve out and explain and and uh, entertain and and titillate before the game even begins, to when the game stops in between, to long after it has ended, and uh, that's one of the most important roles going. But but he's he's a presenter. I'm a presenter. You're a scooper. We need scoops from you, okay? I'll see what I can do. All right. And all of you out there, remember, as Chet once told us all, the field mouse is fast, but the owl sees at night. Hit stop, Tom. Toodaloo, everybody.
0: You've been listening to the Podman Rush with Daryl Razor Ray, presented by Truly Hard Seltzer, an official production of the Dallas Stars. To stay up to date on all things Stars, visit DallasStars.com or download the official Dallas Stars app today.
1: It's a great big enormous bag of air. Ben
0: shoots, rebound score! Star! Stars fans, make DallasStars.com your only place for team news from veteran beat reporter Mike Haika exclusive behind-the-scenes content, highlights, and more. Good save. was it ever? What a shot. Plus, DallasStars.com is your one-stop shop to purchase verified tickets. Cheer on your favorite team all season long. Get in the game and visit DallasStars.com today.
3: It's a walk-off winner!